Welcome to the Daily Dad Podcast. During the week, we bring you a daily meditation of the best parenting wisdom you can find, drawing on history and philosophy and psychology literature to inspire you to be a little bit better at the most important job you have. And then on the weekends, I have sort of a wrap-up conversation with my friend, fellow dad, and writing partner, Niels Parker. We just explore what's going on in our lives, what we're struggling with as parents, what we're doing well, what we want to do better, and what we've learned along the way, and what we've learned in the last week. So let's go. As I've said, I think it's super important to introduce your kids to reading as early as possible in their lives to help them fall in love with books. We're trying to raise readers, as we've said. Well, Readio has a virtual storytime platform called Book Chat. Book Chat lets you read your favorite award-winning books over video chat with your loved ones, no matter how far apart you are. It's perfect during the pandemic, perfect if you've got uh, grandparents on the opposite coast. The Readio library includes hundreds of books from publishers like Chronicle and Simon & Schuster. It's got stories in English, Spanish, and French. All of this can be yours for just 10 bucks a month. Up to four family members can be on the same book chat simultaneously, letting you share a story with everyone you want. And you can use book chat anywhere on your PC, laptop, tablet, phone. You can try Readio out for yourself with a 30-day trial here using the code DAILY on Readio.com. That's R-E-A-D-E-O.com to get 30 days of virtual story time for free. Again, use code DAILY on Readio.com. Hey, it's Ryan Holiday. Welcome to another episode of the Daily Dad Podcast. During the week, we bring you the, the daily meditations, of course. But then on the weekend, we try to take some time to dig into some deeper topics, stuff we wish we knew about, about parenting, things we're struggling with, things we're thinking about, advice we've gotten. And so I'm here with my partner, Niels Parker, to talk about all things parenting. Um, Niels, you shot me an interesting email uh, yesterday about something you wanted to talk about. I thought we'd start there. It was, uh, it was, it was uh, intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people in my life who are outside of our mutual network know that uh, I work with you. They've read your books. They are Daily Stoic fans and have followed you in various capacities over the last several years. And what has been interesting, um, since you have been writing a lot about the pandemic and our response to the virus and vaccines and sort of all things pandemic uh, fairly regularly over the last year is eventually almost all of them have asked like what's going on with ryan <laughs> and they're the reason they're asking is because in their estimation sort of your approach to uh talking about the pandemic has not changed much or, or it appears to not have changed much over the year even as sort of data has come in and our our understanding of what this virus is has changed with time. And I was curious sort of how you thought about that and what parenting it had to do, if at all, with your approach and thinking about about the virus and about the pandemic and your your sort of thinking and writing about it. Well, this is this will sound a little bit like a sort of a humble brag. Like I know it sounds weird, but it is true. Um when I got your email and when you were saying it, I have this weird thing where, and I don't know if it's that I'm just like so focused on whatever I'm doing or I'm 
I'm in my own head. It always like catches me by surprise uh, when when people are like talking about me when I'm not around. And I know that sounds weird as like a person who is somewhat of a public figure, but it, it like I don't. It, it always catches me off guard because it's not part of my consciousness at all to to think like what do other people think about me when I'm not in the room or what, what do other people think about what I'm doing because I'm I'm more just like focused on what I'm doing. So it's like a weird. It, it 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 took me aback a little bit because um i don't know it just wasn't like something i thought about at all and then and then it does make sense that i've sort of talked about it and then not talked about it i post some things i don't post other things i, I get why there would be some speculation or or questions sure yeah i mean and i think what's interesting is with these people especially and they run the gamut they're not they're not politically volatile or politically extreme on either end. You know, they're not sequestered and they're also not anti-vax, anti-mask, crazy Trumper types. They're normal people who are interested in stoicism or have followed your work in marketing and follow you in some way or another. And I think they are intrigued with, uh, with how your life has evolved over time as as a thinker as a writer and then as a parent and they i think they expected your position to either moderate or modulate as more data started to accumulate and in their their impression is he's sort of banging the same drum with the same level of vigor and they don't understand uh, why that is well, so here, here's an analogy. Uh, like, for instance, like I think uh, I, I never recline my seat on airplanes, right? I think it's like a rude thing to do. The fact that you can do it, right, to me, it, it, and I'm a relatively tall person, uh, not not nearly as tall as you, but I, I don't recline my seat on airplanes. And like, the, the, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hear from people, they're like, I totally agree. And they go like, except for on really long flights. Um but I think from a logical perspective, if it's not right to do it on a short flight, it's not right to do it on a wrong uh, on a long flight, right? So I, I, I guess uh, the the moderating one's position thing is interesting to me because I think that's actually been sort of what people have struggled with from an individual and a parenting standpoint uh, as far as the pandemic goes, which is this sort of weird logical fallacy, this kind of magical thinking where one's fatigue or one's individual preferences or needs uh, sort of um, changes the underlying calculation in some way, if that makes sense. So there's been this thing where it's like, well, obviously we should do X, you know, in March of 2020, but now here we are in March of 2021. It's been a long time. Uh, how much, you know, how much longer am I supposed to do this? Right. So I, there has been an interesting thing. Thing, and I've tried to talk to people I know about just because you're tired doesn't change uh, the situation in, in any way or just because your kid really wants something or, you know, it's really hard for them to have to endure X, Y or Z, I, I, I find doesn't doesn't change the moral imperative that I think uh, people have struggled with. But if I was to sort of encapsulate my overall philosophy of the pandemic, actually sort of besides, you know, whatever the scientific rationale and calculus and, you know, all of this stuff, I think my wife and I's sort of guiding force has been like, 
when we have to when we explain to our kids in the future what this year was like or a year and a half was like what we did what our decisions were we want to be able to look them in the face and explain sort of proudly and honestly and uh uh you know um in in a way that makes them be like oh my parents were not part of the problem my parents did the best they could and didn't put me or anyone else sort of second to their own needs you know preferences uh etc so that our sort of guiding philosophy has been you know like what is what is the right thing and let's try to do that thing as much as possible and does that mean we have to compensate for certain things like like you know does that mean we have to sort of work extra hard in this way or that way or, or try to mitigate this you know negative consequence or that negative consequence absolutely but as people who can afford to do that for the most part that's what we've you know we're going to continue to do that as long as that's possible does that does that is that sound crazy no i don't i don't think it sounds crazy and it i was sort of imagining that future conversation and i and from your kids perspective and i think not just is it is it like okay great my parents did the right thing it's also they also didn't just roll the dice with my yes. with my life or with my health got a quick message from one of our sponsors and then we'll get right back to the show stay tuned you know, you look back at the things your parents gave you as a kid that they were probably consuming when you were a kid, and it's pretty appalling, whether it was cereal or the, the gummy vitamins you would take, who knows what was in them. But today's sponsor has an answer to that question. Ritual vitamins have none of those things, no sugars, no GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, or artificial colorants, and that's what makes Ritual great. And they are made traceable. You always know what nutrients you're taking and where they come from thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. They've got great vitamins, including some great vitamins for kids, or my oldest son takes them. Ritual multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. If you don't love Ritual within your first month, they refund your order. Get key nutrients without the BS for you and your kids. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during the first three months. Visit ritual.com slash daily dad to start your ritual today. No, I think th to me, that's the school opening thing. Now, the data in retrospect has shown that schools tend not to be, uh, you know, as uh, the, the, a lot of the dire predictions or, um, you know, questions about, let's say, reopening schools, like, thank God, have not turned out to be uh, the case, right? Um but in uh, the late summer, early fall of 2020, not only do we not know that, in, in my opinion, but here's what, and I think also to go back to like, they haven't been as dire. When you look at the map, of, when, when you look at cases steadily rising and rising, you know, sort of what changes in the fall that leads into that surge, what, what, what leads into that? It's parents started dropping their kids off at school, so they started going back to work and doing stuff again, right? So I, I think there it's hard to say like, oh, the reopenings of schools, for instance, have had no negative consequences. Like, of, co of course it has. We could argue whether it was good or, you know, whether it was worth it or not. 
But um, what 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 my wife and I sat down and thought was like, okay, um, I don't want to be in a position where we have to explain that, you know, there were these negative consequences to our family or other families. And then our, you know, sort of imagine interrogating yourself later and going like, well, you know, why did you listen to the, let's say the school officials? Oh, well, you know, they said X, Y, or Z. And it's like, what, what's historically been your level of trust or respect or, or, uh, you know, uh, faith in, in this institution? Well, not high, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, how have you felt that they've been funded from a budget perspective? Have they always had your kid's best interest in mind? So on and so forth. Like, so it struck me as, as a rather weird and I don't want self-serving sounds wrong, but it sounded, it, it felt like to me, especially let's just say with school openings, cause I know that's such a relevant thing to parents. It felt like we were suddenly placing a lot of trust and faith in an institution that not only previously have, have, have we not had a lot of uh, sort of faith or respect for, um, but we have often been critical of uh, the the actual return on the investment day to day. Anyway, you know, like it struck me as like a, a pretty gross overstatement of the importance of third grade, you know, um, to to run that risk. So that was one of the reasons we did it. But I would also say. Uh, just so this doesn't sound like I, I live in sort of a fantasy world where because I work from home and we're financially successful, we could figure this out on our own. I think a big, what actually upset me most was not like just parents sending their kids to school. You know, I, I, as I would drive to my office, I would see kids, you know, riding the bus. Uh, and I would think the kids r- riding the bus in this rural community that I live in, their parents probably don't have a choice, right? Like, like there's a good percentage of people where school is essentially a form of subsidized childcare for them. And they, they had to send their kids somewhere, uh, or, or, you know, um, there, there was, they couldn't stay home. Right. Or they couldn't, the parents couldn't work. What, what frustrated me was like the number of stay at home parents I know who are sending their kids to daycare just cause they, they needed to get the kids out of the house. Right. Or, or the parents who were sending their kids to school and then using that time to go to the gym or going on vacation or taking unnecessary risks in the middle of the pandemic against the guidance, which they you know, were supposedly so bullish on, they were outdoing things that endangered not only their own kids, but all of the other children that were sitting in small classrooms with their children. So I think I, I, that's that's what I've struggled with with parents is is watching people I know sort of lack the ability to compute that their decisions affect not only their own family, their kid being sad that he doesn't get a six year old birthday party with friends. It is unfortunate, but to go out and f- let him have an indoor birthday party, let's say, and then. Uh, the friend of a kid at school's grandmother gets sick. Well, like who who speaks up for that person and thinks about the the long term effects of your decision on that person? Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that you're not responsible. It really it and it it speaks to a shocking, uh, I think, 
breadth. I don't even know how to say this. It, I am shocked by the amount of lack of resilience and inner calm from all of these people. Like they, they're getting their kids out of the house. They're getting them to daycare when they don't necessarily need to, because they, they're vibrating at such a high frequency inside that they're going to go nuts. Like they're not working on themselves at that time. And it's, yeah, the consequences are going to ripple out, even if it's not in a mini wave or a, being a vector of transmission like that can't you can't i think to your point you need you would be better served if you were able to project forward into the future and have a conversation with your kids and and be able to say you know i'm we did we did the right thing it's funny i had that conversation with my uh with my wife about her parents how they voted in the last two elections yeah I'm, I'm like you realize your granddaughters who are now coming of age and are very politically aware like my two nieces they lived a block from the lee statue in richmond virginia mm-hmm. like they got tear gassed like you your voting record in this sort of seminal moment they're going to judge it like it's well, Pete, Pete Holmes tweeted a great thing when he voted in the election. Again, I don't think you have to get that into the politics to understand what he's totally. into it. He says something like, uh, you can't say you care about people and then vote for people who 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 harm those people, right? Or 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 who don't care about those people. And I think that's something that sort of boomers have struggled with, but I think all people have struggled with, which is that you can't talk about these things like talking about them and saying you care saying this is important to you or identifying as you know a, a good person it matters insofar as as when faced with real world ethical decisions you make the right one and and i've been amazed at how many people i knew who i thought were thoughtful not just uh didn't make the right decision but it's clear to me that they didn't even think about the decision, right? Which is which is in a way better and worse, right? It's better in the sense that they they didn't like sort of uh, they're not actively anti this or that, but they are operating from a certain amount of privileged negligence where they just make decisions and don't think about the consequences of those decisions on other people and they don't take the time to think through their decisions. And so, yeah, our sort of guiding force has just been like, we want to do the right thing. We're in a, we're in a privileged position where we can do, I don't want to say more of the right thing, but we can sort of abstain from having to do things that other people are having to make much more of a cost benefit analysis on, or a more, a more sort of urgent cost benefit analysis on. But I also think that's the obligation that you have, like with, with, uh, you know, with power comes responsibility, right? Or of to whom much is given as much is expected. You know, like if, if you, if you can't, like, I, I know, for instance, I know people uh, who have like sort of demanded their employees fly to them for like, you know, for like, these are uh, like, let's say investors who said like, Hey, everyone's coming in, we're doing like an all hands meeting. Um, and it's like, sure. Are there benefits to not to, to being in person? But you're making a decision that ripples through like 20 or 30 different communities. You've got employees spread out all over and you're doing, you're doing something that's marginally easy, easier or better for you. 
that's coming at the great at a great but hidden expense uh, for a larger amount of people. And I think, how can you talk to your kids about, you know, the ideas of right or wrong, and then sort of with the other hand be be pulling stuff like that off? Yeah. Do you has has your approach has it ha, has it shifted at all as things have started to quote unquote open up? I know Texas is a little yeah. weird. You know, like I think about something like outdoor dining. You know, mm-hmm. what we've under, come to understand now for the most part is that the the virus doesn't transmit in sunlight as much. It dies within 30 minutes of sunlight. You know, outdoor dining is more or less should have been totally okay f- for a, a lot of this period. Sure. As, as that has become the common understanding, has has it started to sort of change how you think about sort of re-emerging into the greater world or are you is it sort of a binary thing for you guys at this point got a quick message from one of our sponsors and then we'll get right back to the show stay tuned one of the best things you can do for your kid is to make yourself better work on yourself show them that you're a lifelong learner that you're always pushing yourself and that you're not content with whatever random skills you got from your own childhood And that's where today's sponsor comes in. I'm talking about Skillshare. There's nothing better than getting better, and growth is satisfying, but it's also inspiring. And that's why I think you should try learning a new skill with Skillshare and its amazing community of members. Right now, you can get a free trial of Skillshare's premium membership when you visit Skillshare.com slash Daily Dad. There's nothing better than getting better. Accomplishing growth is satisfying. You can check out all their awesome courses about art, about marketing, about calligraphy, about anything you can imagine. They've got a course on it. Check it out. Skillshare is also surprisingly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than 10 bucks a month. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Daily Dad. Get a free trial of their premium membership at Skillshare.com slash Daily Dad. No, I mean, a, a little bit. I mean, I, I own a, a retail business that's open, you know, like I, I've, I've done, I, I do stuff where I, I think it's like sort of safe or appropriate. At the same time, like, I think, I think part of the reason that people have really struggled, it's, it's not just, uh, you know, some sort of moral deficiency, it's things have been really poorly explained. So like social distancing, that's hard to wrap your head around because it's not concrete. Like, and, and I get politically why this would be tough, but like th- they should have said like, don't do indoor dining. Like no one should eat inside at a restaurant for the next year. Like that that's what they should have said up front, right? Yeah, um, totally. Or, or things like that. Like don't go to any stores that you could purchase the thing online for. And again, I realize as a business owner how devastating that blow would be. But if we're talking about a public health standpoint, like people shouldn't be going to restaurants. And the problem is since restaurants are open and they see other people in restaurants, they go, obviously, uh, it's okay or wouldn't be allowed. And that that's really been hard for people, especially busy people with kids. I mean, like it's been a part-time job sort of figuring some of this stuff out on your own. So I, I empathize. I think for us, whether it's like outdoor dining or going to stores or whatever, what, what we've really just thought about is like, even if the risk is relatively small or minuscule, the upside is also like null. So why why do it? So I think like the amount of people that I know that that are like, you know, I'm 
we've been so safe. I mean, you know, we go to the grocery store a couple times a week and then we go here and we're like, you know, you don't have to do that under ordinary circumstances, right? Like, you know, that they'll, they'll bring the groceries out to your car. You know, you can get them shipped to your house. You know, you could just plan your trips to the grocery store slightly better and not have to go multiple times per week. So I, I think what we, what we've sort of thought about is like, you know, what are the things you can eliminate or don't have to do for, for not forever, but for an extended period of time. So I've just found that like so much of the trouble we're in has been people really failing the marshmallow test of like, like no one's saying you'll never be able to eat inside at a restaurant again. And no one is joyfully telling you to, you know, deprive uh, this this restaurant of your of your patronage, um, but we are saying you know there is such a thing as takeout, and uh, you could just do that. Yeah, I I was curious about this conversation just because like I have a thirteen month old. Yeah. He was he was born literally the last normal day of the year. He was born right. March tenth, and then the next day was the Utah Jazz game where Rudy Gobert tested positive, and then. The NBA shut down, then the Bay Area and California shut down. And so I've effectively, like, I would have more or less been in this position to begin with, just with a one-year-old. I'm right. Not, I'm not going out. So a lot of these decisions were made for me by virtue of having an infant. When it's weird, too, because they're, like, I had uh, two kids, infants, before the pandemic. And, like, in retrospect, just the amount of things that we went out and did for no good reason. Uh, and the, it, it's been helpful to see the cost, right? Like, our kids are on a perfect sleep schedule, you know? Like, our kids have spent so much time outside. Our kid, You know, like, things that we would have disrupted for the benefit of having pizza at somebody else's table instead of our table, you know, or even just, just like, you know, it's not perfectly safe to get in a car and drive, you know, 30 minutes. Right. I mean, it, the, the risk is low, but you're just like, man, I was externalizing, you know, X amount of emis emissions on the planet. I was driving on, you know, rural country roads, uh, you know, at night, uh, for no real reason. And I was doing all of this to get the the pleasure of having somebody refill my water glass instead of like getting it myself from the fridge. You know, I, I think I think it has given us as parents some perspective as to like what is important to us. How much and, and this, what's worth it? How much of this do you think this sort of philosophy about that is going to stick once you know in once we get back to quote unquote normal? And, you know, vaccines are fairly, fairly regular, uh, you know, transmission is down and we think about it more like a cold or, or a flu cycle. Do you, do you think a lot of this approach to, to sort of how you parent or take your kids out in the world is going to stick or, or, yeah. uh, I mean, I think for other people, there's going to be, you know, it's like that, uh, that Don Draper line, like it'll. It will have never happened, and it will surprise you how much it, it has never happened. You know, yeah, yeah. like the, the the amnesia will be profound. But I think for us, like also, like, hey, what has a year been like? And you haven't experienced this as much, but like, kids get sick all the time. They're these like tiny germ monsters. And when I, I do this, five, you know, one line a day journal, and I've done it for four years, the entirety of my son's life and more, um, like it's been stunning to me 
as I, you know, let's say I'm writing in today's entry to be like, ah, today, last year, we were sick. And the year before we were sick. And the year before we were sick on this day, you know, just, so I think for us, like, as, as another funny example, like, so, I, and I may have told this story already, but I run on this dirt road. Uh, we, we live on this dirt road and, and that's where I, when I'm at home, that's where I run. Um, it never, like I would run and, you know, these cars go by really fast uh, on the dirt road and it kick up all this dust. It gets in your eyes and your mouth or whatever. It never once occurred to me that I could wear a gator around my neck and pull it up over my nose and mouth while a car went by, you know, like it, before for for years i just said like oh i i have to inhale this dust when i go for a run <laughs> and and then you know obviously leaving the house with a mask in case you know i have to do something or something happened i i, I would i would leave the mask on and then i'd throw it up while, while people went by and it's like oh my god this is so much better i don't know why i would ever get on it in a in a small metal tube filled with disgusting strangers and not wear a mask you know i don't know why i would you know uh stick my hand in the nut bowl at a bar, you know, like all the, like it, yeah. it has, has in retrospect made it clear just how insane and disgusting a lot of the things that we accepted as normal were uh, in the past. Yeah. And I am particularly intrigued to see how profound and widespread the amnesia gets with stuff like masks when people are sick, because we've, we have a model for this in Asian countries that are, you know, they're honor cultures who would be ashamed that if they went to work with a cold, that they spread it throughout the office. So they wear yeah. masks. Like it's not a political statement. It's just a gesture of common decency to your fellow fellow human when you're when you're under the weather. It it feels like that should be an easy holdover, but at, at the same time, it's not going to happen. Got a quick message from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to the show. Stay tuned. For Father's Day last year, my wife got me a subscription to StoryWorth. And StoryWorth is awesome. Every week, it asks you like a provocative, thought-provoking question for a, a story about your life, which you answer over email, you attach photos. And then at the end of the year, it compiles all the stories, including the photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped to you. So... Here, as we approach Mother's Day, StoryWorth, the sponsor of today's podcast, is suggesting that StoryWorth makes a great Mother's Day present. It's a great way to honor your wife, mom, and any special moms in your life with this heartfelt, sentimental gift. It's just a, a wonderful way to learn about each other, to share in a profound, special way. Get your mom the most meaningful gift this Mother's Day with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash daily dad. You get 10 bucks off your first purchase at storyworth.com slash daily dad for 10 bucks off. No, it's a self-interesting. It's crazy. So like as an example, I got an offer in October as the second surge is happening in California, or maybe it's the third, I don't remember. But I got an offer for tens of thousands of dollars to give a talk in California to a to a company. Let's, I won't say what the company is, but let's say they have a lot of door-to-door -door salesmen, right? And they were doing like a company retreat where like 200 of them were coming from all over the state to, to hear me talk about obstacles or something. And uh, I said, guys, is this a good idea to do an in-person conference in the middle of a pandemic? And they said, well, it's really important. And I said, okay, here are the conditions I would be willing to do it. 
the event should be in, uh, outside. Everyone should wear a mask. There should be ventilation and there should be COVID tests uh, upon entry. And then, you know, instead of the obvious right thing, it became a negotiation. So they said, well, it has to be inside because some unpredictability of the weather. I said, okay, um, here are the two venues you're choosing. Between this one has lots of ventilation, this one has none. You know, and then I said, there has to be COVID tests. There has to be this. And they came back and they said, well, the other venue is cheaper, so we're going to pick that one. And then they said, you know, California mandates, you know, this kind of capacity, so we're going to get right up to that. And then, and then I said, look, this is all making me very uncomfortable, but if there was rapid testing at the door, I'd at least consider it. And they said, uh, they said, um, no, but we'll pay you more money, <laughs> right? Like they just raised the fee, like thinking that it was, uh, I don't know. But what, what was so amazing to me, and this is what I passed through my agent when I was declining the event, is I said, look, not only is this just morally correct, uh, because like no one should be hosting a super spreader event in the middle of the pandemic. This is like right after the Trump super spreader event. Um, uh, but I said, uh, from a self-interested standpoint, you're bringing your employees from all over the country, putting them in one room. If one of them is sick, your your entire sales staff is, is uh, you know, going to be out of commission. Some of them may even die. That's obviously not a good thing. And then I said, finally, and this is this if this doesn't convince you nothing will i was like imagine if this does get traced back to you right something happens and you know the you know acme company of of whatever is you know deemed to be the originator of some strain of the virus or responsible for tens of thousands of cases like it will destroy your business and your reputation forever and, and then I'm going to do marketing for your competitor and they're going to buy you for 30 cents on the dollar in 18 well, months. Yeah. And, 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 and so I, they said, well, we're going to do it. We're going to find another speaker, which I'm sure they did. Um, and, and, and the, the, the point of that all to me was like, you're, I'm not even asking you to be selfless here. I'm just asking you not to be actively self-destructive here. And they still couldn't quite get there. And so my sort of our parenting philosophy through the pandemic has it evolved yes has it has we changed it in light of you know certain information are we as insane about you know you know washing off our groceries uh no of course we've changed do we still wipe off our groceries because in retrospect it strikes us as crazy that you would let uh, a total stranger handle this watermelon like two minutes before you put it in your mouth um yes but uh you know, we've we've changed in light of the pandemic or in light of the the more recent discoveries. And now that we've both been vaccinated, we, we've made some adjustments as well, of course. But I think generally we've be, just been trying to hold this line of like, what are our obligations to other people? What are our obligations to our own children? And then what what do we feel will allow us to look ourselves in the mirror when this is over? And is that going to be hard in some cases? Are there things we're going to miss out because of it? Absolutely. But, you know, the, al the alternative seems even more unbearable to me. That's, and that's the, I think that's the lesson that a lot of parents are, are pushing off that conversation with themselves. They're, they're pushing that, that off. And I'm, I'm glad to hear all of this just because I haven't, had to have a lot of those conversations with myself, having a, 
having a one-year-old where a lot of those decisions were made for me. Yeah, look, it's it's weird. I think I, I've been working on a piece about this. I think life is, is, you know, Churchill talks about how destiny taps you on the shoulder, right? And I think that's that that's probably true. And you know, you know, is are you how are you going to respond? I would argue that life also and parenting in general is co- like you have a belief, you have a statement, there's something you say, there's something you think, and then life is constantly going around and saying like, "Do you really mean that? Are you sure? Like, what if you know I apply this pressure? What if there's this temptation? Or what if it's easier? What if this is and and how you respond to that test is what makes you who you are as a parent and as a person. And I'm certainly not at all pretending I have always passed the test. I mean, I'm writing about this in my next book. I've failed a bunch of really embarrassing tests. And 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 but when I look back at my life, what I and and there's things that I regret or I wish I had done differently, usually what I was doing in that moment is making some sort of calculation of expediency. Or I was operating in some form of sort of ignorance or self-absorption that prevented me from seeing what only became clearer in retrospect. And that's, I think that happens in a lot of aspects of parenting. Like I've had some issues with my mom, especially over over her sort of parenting style or or expressions of empathy when I was when I was young. And I've had long conversations with her and she'll, her response when she gets sort of, when she feels backed in a corner is like, well, you, you just don't understand what it was like. You don't understand how things were back then. And at one point we were having lunch and I'm like, do you understand? Like, do you really understand what was going on back then and what your level of agency was or what, whether you were being reactive or proactive, like were you making conscious choices that were the best possible choices? And the answer inevitably was that she had not made conscious, proactive choices at any point. So there was never a learning from any of these sorts of things. There was never an opportunity to to do the best possible thing, having learned from mistakes in the past, so that she could inevitably at some point in the future be able to say like in that moment i i did the right thing and i think this exercise that you've gone through with your wife to figure out how to approach the the pandemic i think if there's something that could stick it should be that and not sourdough bread recipes <laughs> like no i think i think it's right and we got to i think you have to learn from your from your own parents uh and and try to you know to just not not repeat the cycle. I think that's the journey that we're all on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's talk about this again next week. I think it's, uh, I, I got a, a bunch more to say. So I'll talk to you soon, man. Cool. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dad podcast. It would mean a lot to us and help a great deal if you could subscribe and also leave us a review in iTunes. And most importantly, if you could send one of these messages to someone you know who would benefit from them.